War and Peace, Book Eight, Chapter Thirteen, read for LibriVox.org by Julie van Walchem. Count Rostov took the girls to Countess Bezukhova's. There were a good many people there, but nearly all strangers to Natasha. Count Rostov was displeased to see that the company consisted almost entirely of men and women, known for the freedom of their conduct. Mademoiselle Georges was standing in a corner of the drawing-room, surrounded by young men. There were several Frenchmen present, among them Mativier, whom from the time Helen reached Moscow had been an intimate in her house. The Count decided not to sit down to cards or let his girls out of his sight, and to get away as soon as Mademoiselle Georges' performance was over. Anatole was at her door, evidently on the lookout for the Rostovs. Immediately after greeting the Count, he went up to Natasha and followed her. As soon as she saw him, she was seized by the same feeling she had had at the opera. Gratified vanity at his admiration of her, and fear at the absence of a moral barrier between them. Helen welcomed Natasha, delightedly, and was loud in admiration of her beauty and her dress. Soon after their arrival, Mademoiselle Georges went out of the room to change her costume. In the drawing-room, people began arranging the chairs and taking their seats. Anatole moved a chair for Natasha, and was about to sit down beside her, but a count, who never lost sight of her, took the seat himself. Anatole sat down behind her. Mademoiselle Georges, with her bare, fat, dimpled arms and a red shawl draped over one shoulder, came into the space left vacant for her and assumed an unnatural pose. Enthusiastic whispering was audible. Mademoiselle Georges looked sternly and gloomily at the audience and began reciting some French verses describing her guilty love for her son. In some places she raised her voice, in others she whispered, lifting her head triumphantly. Sometimes she paused and uttered hoarse sounds, rolling her eyes. Adorable, divine, delicious, was heard from every side. Natasha looked at the fat actress, but neither saw nor heard nor understood anything of what went on before her. She only felt herself again completely borne away into this strange, senseless world so remote from her old world, a world in which it was impossible to know what was good or bad, reasonable or senseless. Behind her sat Anatole, and conscious of his proximity, she experienced a frightened sense of expectancy. After the first monologue, the whole company rose and surrounded Mademoiselle Georges, expressing their enthusiasm. "'How beautiful she is!' Natasha remarked to her father, who had also risen and was moving through the crowd towards the actress. "'I don't think so when I look at you,' said Anatole, following Natasha. He said this at a moment when she alone could hear him. "'You are enchanting. From the moment I saw you, I have never ceased. Come, come, Natasha, said the Count, as he turned back for his daughter. How beautiful she is. Natasha, without saying anything, stepped up to her father, and looked at him with surprised, inquiring eyes. After giving several recitations, Mademoiselle Georges left, and Countess Bezukhova asked the visitors into the ballroom. The Count wished to go home, but Helen entreated him not to spoil her improvised ball, and the Rostovs stayed on. 
and as Hall asked Natasha for a vase, and as if they danced, he pressed her waist and hand and told her she was bewitching and that he loved her. During the Ecossaise, which also danced with him, Anatole said nothing when they happened to be by themselves, but merely gazed at her. Natasha lifted her frightened eyes to him, but there was such confident tenderness in his affectionate look and smile that she could not, whilst looking at him, say what she had to say. She lowered her eyes. "'Don't say such things to me. I'm betrothed and love another.' she said rapidly she glanced at him anatole was not upset or pained by what she had said don't speak to me of that what can i do said he i tell you i am madly madly in love with you is it my fault that you are enchanting it's our turn to begin natasha animated and excited looked about her with wide-open frightened eyes and seemed merrier than usual she understood hardly anything that went on that evening. They danced the Ecossais and the Grosvater. Her father asked her to come home, but she begged to remain. Wherever she went and whomever she was speaking to, she felt his eyes upon her. Later on she recalled how she had asked her father to let her go to the dressing-room to rearrange her dress, that Helen had followed her, and spoken laughingly of her brother's love that she again met Anatole in the little sitting-room. Helen had disappeared, leaving them alone, and Anatole had taken her hand and said in a tender voice, "'I cannot come to visit you, but is it possible that I shall never see you? I love you madly. Can I never—' And blocking her path, he brought his face close to hers. His large, glittering, masculine eyes were so close to hers that she saw nothing but them. Natalie, he whispered inquiringly, while she felt her hands being painfully pressed. Natalie, I don't understand. I have nothing to say, her eyes replied. Burning lips were pressed to hers, and at the same instant she felt herself released in Helen's footsteps, and the rustle of her dress were heard in the room. Natasha looked round at her, then red and trembling threw a frightened look of inquiry at Anatole, and moved towards the door. "'One word! Just one, for God's sake!' cried Anatole. She paused. She so wanted a word from him that would explain to her what had happened, and to which she could find no answer. "'Natalie, just a word, only one!' he kept repeating, evidently not knowing what to say and she repeated it till Helen came up to them. Helen returned with Natasha to the drawing-room. The Rostovs went away without staying for supper. After reaching home, Natasha did not sleep all night. She was tormented by the insoluble question whether she loved Anatole or Prince Andrew. She loved Prince Andrew. She remembered distinctly how deeply she loved him. But she also loved Anatole. Of that there was no doubt. As how could all this have happened, thought she, if, after that, I could return his smile when saying good-bye? If I was able to let it come to that, it means that I loved him from the first. It means that he is kind, noble, and splendid, and I could not help loving him. What have I to do, if I love him and the other one too? she asked herself. 
unable to find an answer to these terrible questions. End of chapter 13